Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Jaeger CPA Review and More. This podcast is sponsored by Jaeger CPA Review, the course provider that deals only with the ASCPA blueprints. Please go to the JaegerCPAReview.com website and look at our various products. And we believe in seeing is believing. And therefore, please look at our three-day free trial. Pick a subject, and it'll give you three days free access unlimited to that product. And I believe that once you look at that product and see how it works, you will pick Jaeger CPA Review as your course provider. If you have any questions, you can reach us at 301-874-4900. If you press 5, you may even talk to Phil Jaeger. Take care, everyone, on your journey for the CPA exam. We wish you the best and good luck. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of CPA Review and More. We are pleased to bring you the number one podcast for CPAs and CPA candidates. If you'd like to learn more about how Jaeger CPA Review can help you, find us on our website at JaegerCPAReview.com. Now, here's your host, Phil Jaeger. the forensic accounting exam was it very hard how did you find it compared to the cpa exam uh i i thought it was easier than the cpa i thought the cpa was harder to me it's also it's much easier to get some of those extra certifications once you have a cpa they pretty much use the cpa as the hey you have a cpa you've already gone through the ringer you've already done the test if you will um and so they usually give you less requirements to go get those extra credentials But I would think they're having trouble getting people in forensic accounting because they're having trouble getting CPAs. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the the whole there's you know the whole talent shortage in general. So there's there's that. Um, forensics is sometimes one of those ones that's perceived to be cooler. So sometimes that can help a little bit. Uh, I know this is not your area that I'm going to ask you a question on, but I'm just okay. curious. Uh, uh, and I discussed this with you a few minutes. Um, there is a shortage of people taking the CPA exam. All yes. right. You mm-hmm. are aware of that. Okay. Yes. Uh, do you have any idea why that might be? And if you did, all right, what is wrong? Why are not, you know, when I took the exam, there were 2,500 people in Baltimore. All right. And God, everyone, you know, you got out of college and took the CPA exam. All right. Yes. Now, Today, they are getting out of college, but there's no rush to take the CPA. So to, to me, this is a problem related to how particularly our profession has innovated or lack thereof in certain cases. You know, Rice has done some work on this and, you know, the, the MAC program struggles to get candidates as compared to MBA style programs or business undergrad or, or something like that. And the reason is if you look at some of the starting accounting salaries, versus some of the other starting salaries that are coming out of a B school, even undergrad, you're, you're just not getting your same bang for buck for the amount of education. You, you just aren't getting the same starting salaries. Now, you, you accelerate pretty quickly and you have a lot of optionality at the toward the you know, middle to end of your career. Like there's a ton of options and you kind of make it all back up. But those early stage you know, markers of, is this valuable because I need to have a job now and I need to know what I'm getting now? Because honestly, most students do not have the data set, like the information to know what how fast their career trajectory can be and the optionality of getting a degree that allows you or getting a license that allows you to do so many different things versus kind of pigeonholing you to be overly specific. So, for example, my husband has always lamented that his license makes them extremely narrow scope and specific versus a license that lets you opens up doors and to do more things versus being overly prescriptive and narrow scope. So to me, it's the firms needing and the profession in general needing to get those starting salaries up. And it's by, and they get the starting salaries up by not having first year staff that are like either CPA eligible or CPAs do exactly what we said, confirmations. Why was I stuffing envelopes with a CPA? That is not a task that a CPA needs to do. I don't have to be a CPA to stuff an envelope. And and so now there's, you know, I'll I'll use a vendor name. There's confirmations.com. 
that in most cases, you don't even need to stuff an envelope and don't need a mail, you do it digitally. And so there's software out there that also helps automate and leverage and facilitate some of those manual steps that need to be done. Once you change the model of how the work is done and you change the CPA eligible or the CPAs to be those thought high thought people that are analyzing the information that are coming out of systems and kind of the curators of information rather than the creators of information, that's when the model could change. You can get the starting salaries up because you're not you're not making them lackeys of like just doing copies type stuff. Well, think- and then that makes it more attractive. It, it's to me it's a financial situation because the profession has been very scared of some of the new technology because of and and sometimes it's because the regulation system highly regulates our profession and people are afraid to innovate because ooh am i going to am i going to upset a regulator because i did something in a new way and i think i think when the loss honestly covid has become the pivot point for people to realize you can innovate and you pretty much have to and i'm seeing a pretty drastic change before and after so i'm really hoping that you know, there's something that's a benefit of this talent shortage that we're in right now that people realize that we need to change the model. But, and I agree with you because I, I had spoken to a lot of CPAs who uh, they got out, of, they sold their practices and they started learning about the PPP loans and they mm-hmm. became experts in that. And they yep. started making a lot more money and they enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, now, I was on our PPP team. I, I enjoyed helping people um, when I was at, in public. I will say it was a lot of stress of the unknown. It was extremely stressful. I know, they changed it every day. And, and you know what? That's got to be what our clients are feeling like. Like our non-CPA clients that are always kind of like in the dark about what's happening. Um, and they turn to us for help. And we're like, I'm like, I'm just as in the dark as you are. Um, and trying to anticipate that, you know, to me, that's probably what a regular person feels like on most of this financial stuff. So it gave me a lot of insights into how do I need to kind of communicate so that other people don't feel like they're in the dark and feel like they have some control? Because when you're that in the dark, you don't feel like you're in control. You know, you said that, you know, first of all, we have five years of education, right? CPA. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. You can go four years and you can get become an IT. All right. And your starting salary is higher, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, uh, I don't know when. Uh, the person who takes the CPA exam, all right, how long does it take for them to catch up for the differentials? Do you, do you have any idea? I haven't actually done any research on that. Um, I know the Rice Mac program did some some research on, on, at least in the business school world, but it's very similar to the IT world in that concept. And uh, they're starting this evolution January 1st, 2024, all right, just around the corner. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, First of all, it sounds really good. Uh, you know, we want to keep this profession uh, current. Uh, now you can specialize in other areas. All right. You take a core exam, you can specialize in other areas. All right. But, all right, the experience requirement remains the same. Now, the big problem is people don't want to go into public accounting. All right. They just don't want to do it. Uh, they, the people coming out of school, they don't want to work uh, 60, 70 hours a week, all right? They want to have, you know, they're nine to five. Uh, they want some, uh, you know, quality of life. So they look at public accounting and they say, you know, we work all these extra hours, all right? And we don't even get paid for them. And then the firm say, oh, yeah, well, we're including that in your annual salary, all right? But the thing is, uh, all these firms, they are making that money for the extra time and they're not giving anything to a lot of the employees. And that's not really good. And what's happening is there is a gentleman in New York, I'm not gonna mention names, who's at the examination division. And he thinks the CPA is just a license to do public accounting. So he's, you know, that's showing this guise of, well, you know, we believe you go into compliance this, compliance that. So you don't have to just be in public accounting. But bottom line is, hey, that's great. You still have to get public accounting experience. All right. Wake up. And I'll tell you another thing. All right. You know who determines whether this is going to go through or not? Just that little group of people in New York at the examination. All right. 
uh, years ago, they tried to change the name of the CPA to a cognitor. You ever heard that? A, a what? Cognitor. Okay. Oh, no, I, I, I don't right? know where that And uh, this was in the uh, late 70s. And uh, they decided cognitor sounds really sexy because the CPA is just a credential for, you know, U.S. And if we want to go international, we're going to have to now change it from a CPA to a cognitor. All right. Well, all right. It required the unanimous, it requires, you know, a unanimous vote by the members of the ICPA. It was unanimously turned down. No one wanted to call themselves a cognitor. All right. They wanted to be a CPA. All right. Now they're passing this through and the only ones voting on it is them. No one. They did a study. Do you know 72% of the people don't know what the evolution is? 72% don't know. And uh, I am trying to, you know, I don't know how much I can do, but I think I'm concerned about the profession. That unless oh. they recognize the problems. And I'm saying, I, really, you know, I can't speak to most of that. I, I will. I know, no, I'm I'm not, not, no, no, I'm just. Yeah, so to, I'll just disclose that I was on the CPA Evolution Curriculum Committee um, related to the BAR, the business, advi uh, business analysis and reporting. Um, I think it's the right. Oh, hopefully that's the right acronym. Otherwise, I'm embarrassing myself if I can't get back. No, 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 no. Um, but it was mainly it, it was mainly of what do the universities need to include in their curriculum to make the future CPAs, you know, ready with the tools that they need. So there's a lot of data analytics and it's a lot of the skills that are needed to be exactly. functioning ready. So from I, I, you know, I can't really speak to the all the political situation of behind oh, yeah. the scenes of the. Well, the university, universities don't want anybody to dictate to them what their curriculum should be. Oh, well, and it wasn't a dictation. It was, here's an example. And well, so there's a model, an example. And so, I, I mean, the committee was in no position to be able to dictate anything. But what it did do is provide a lot of resources and tools. Because here, here's the, the tricky part is, you know, to retool, um, to be able to keep up with everything I talked about on the innovation side, to be able to make it so you can analyze data means you have to actually understand all these things behind the scenes and be able to come out of school and analyze the data. I mean, that means getting hitting the ground running. That's hard to do. Such um, as digital analytics, right? Yeah. And so, and, you yeah. know, accounting is still very much an apprenticeship-based system. And a lot of students are learning when they get out of school, they're learning how to actually do their job by on-the-job training, a very apprenticeship system. And so if we're automating a lot of those early level tasks, how do we make somebody so they're actually capable of doing their job right out of school? And so that was the kind of the, the directive to the task force that I was on of what are those skills that they need? And oh, they, they do need them. Be ready and I agree with you. But yeah. all right, putting this through to start January 1st, 2024, that's just around the corner. All right. Yeah. All right. Hey. We agree that the, you know all the schools have to hire people to have the skills to teach this stuff, all mm -hmm. right. And why does it have to be in it? Like 2024 is just around the corner. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like let's ram this through, and uh, uh, you know, let's do it right, and let's like turn people. First of all, people don't like change. Right? I'm, I'm aware. So I'm in the business of selling change. <laughs> Um, oh, and, you sell change? You sell bitcoins? Or no? I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Um, I actually do a lot of cryptocurrency accounting, though. Um, so, but I'm in the business of change. Like, if you think about it, the standards are changing. That means you know people are having to deal with the change management related to that. I, I work uh, at a you, you know you an AI these, auditing company. Like that's change. All, that's fundamentally changing things. You deal with all these people in the field uh, accounting uh, at the colleges and uh, train them for change. By January 1st. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, I can only speak to my personal experience, but I've been at Rice for six or seven years since the relaunch of their program. You know, we've been teaching data analytics and I personally have been teaching the data analytics since the relaunch of that program. And last, last year or the year before, we actually split my one class into three classes because the firms needed it. Um, and MindBridge, the, the company I happen to work for, um, also gives their software to the universities to train and has training modules for the universities. And honestly, um, our competitors do the same and all the other major data analytics packages do the same thing. So there, there's resources at the university levels 
Now, it's hard to train the professors that don't work in the space on a regular basis. That's why they're going to kind of people like me to bring in some external expertise. But all the software vendors also do train the trainers and build out model like examples and curriculum. So it's what the it's what the profession needs to be able to survive, to be able to move into that space in the first place. And it's what makes us more attractive as a profession because we're not making staff stuff envelopes like that's that's just crazy so you know at some point it it has to change you know we we i i, I really don't have an opinion on if if 1124 is too soon or not oh um, gee, i think so but but, anyway. but at some point it it, it it's got to change and mainly because the the skills that we're testing so let me i'll tell you that i i failed the tax section my first try i was really busy at work did not have time to study i actually tried to take tax at a time when I had less busy time and take audit when I was super busy because um, I'm an auditor, I should hopefully be able to take audit without studying too much. Well, my busy season flipped on me and I you know, kind of was stuck. So you probably don't want to hear this, but I, I did a oh, very minimal goodness. job studying on the tax side. It was probably embarrassing, but I was like, you know what? It's scheduled. Let me just show up and see how I do. 74. And I was like, and what it was. That hurts, right? It really hurt. It really, really hurt. And here's the thing. I caught the same question of how much passive loss. Uh, so I did not study thresholds. I didn't do it because I just thought, no they way. They ask that on the exam. You know that? Why would they test thresholds? Oh. Um, they're going to test concepts. That's that's okay. how you test. And I um, I caught that I had the same question like three or four times related to how much passive loss can you de- deduct against active income kind of concept, like a passive loss concept. And I did not know the answer. I did not know what the threshold was. But I knew that I was saying, seeing the same question every time. So I just answered a different number every single time because that's what you do to hedge your bets. And had I known that one question answer, I would have passed. But I didn't know a threshold, and that's the pink point that made me fail. I, I'm sorry, that doesn't mean uh, that the old example was, was a job. You think that was it? I, you remember, I failed you remember, a lot of other things. I clearly didn't get week, enough questions. Well, right. Do you remember the weaker areas you got on the diagnostic? Diagnosis. No, because I just looked at, I just knew all I needed was one more or a couple more points. And so, so I, to, to me, and honestly, when I was taking the exam, I knew when I was doing concept related things, I was doing well, I, I could, I was like, I understand the question. I'm seeing answers that are reflective of what I'm thinking. I'm probably doing okay. When it came to fresh, anything related to a threshold, cause I knew I didn't study it. Um, and I looked at it and I was like, I, I have no idea what the threshold is. Why would I know what the threshold is? That's something I can look up every year. They change every year. That's right. That's right. Why would I test on a threshold? And so to me, the old exam was broken anyway. And so while while I realize change is hard for everybody, it's not like the old thing was perfect. And so, and and to me, how did that make me a better professional or not? If if I could remember a threshold versus having my little, you know, the plastic cards they give you every year and looking it up or Googling it. I mean, so I, I hear your point, Phil, but I kind of come from a different perspective on it of we're not teaching our students what they need to know to be successful. I agree with you. And that's the problem. Okay, good. Well, I yeah, gladly no, no, agree. No, no, I, voice. I, I I'm, I'm sorry. I was, and it wasn't clear. I think you have to know all this digital analytics. You have to know cloud accounting. You have to know all this stuff. Artificial intelligence will be. Uh, now, the problem is, though, they have to first find professors, all right, who know this stuff and, you know, and not. The smaller schools have those people, all right? But the smaller schools are not going to take a different CPA exam, all right, than the larger schools. That's all I'm saying, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's a, that's always yeah. the, the concern is resource capacity and and all those different things. It's age-old tale. Danielle, I enjoyed having you on, all right? And oh, it's been great to be you, here. You are not nerdy. I don't care what you say, all right? It's because I didn't wear the right glasses. I wore I wore too cool of a glasses, not my really nerdy, thick rimmed glasses. <laughs> you want to go run and put them on? I mean, no, it's okay. <laughs> I like those glasses. And oh, thank you. I'm sure you look good in the dark frames too. You know, <laughs> you know what? You know makes you uh, you smile. You smile. That's good. I mean, when I talk to a person, they they look like you know. Uh, the, if they smile, their face would crack. But no, you, you. Well, but but see, here's the thing: is that this stuff is fun, and honestly, when you do work as an expert witness, you kind of learn that when people, you know, have tough conversations, you're not attacking each other. You're just 
you're kind of making your points of view known and it's 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 kind of the world I live in and it's kind of a fun place where you're always challenged and your brain is always working. And that's what I love about it. And would you agree that if you're an expert witness, you can't get too emotional? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, if you, if you internalize it, cause here's the thing, it's all a game. And so, you know, uh, I've had one where somebody attacked me pretty heavily on the stand and then, uh, and of course I, I was fine. Um, and then afterwards pretty much gave me their business card, uh, and pretty much said they'd be calling me in the future because I withstood the attack so well that they, they want to use me in the future. So there's a lot of stuff when you get into some of the different nuances of professions that things become a little bit more games and you just can't internalize the stress and kind of just, again, I really do love the nerdy little things in life and derive a lot of joy out of it. So hey, there's nothing of, wrong with going. that. Hey, you like going to work every day? Yeah, so I totally do. Thing. Yeah, hey, I can see that because when I said that, you started smiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got to figure out what do I get you know, to do today? Can I what do I get to nerd out on autoregressive models? Like, that's great. <laughs> can I tell you something? I really yeah. like you. I really oh, like well, you. I like you too, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're such a nice person. By the way, for those who are requesting pictures of her children, forget it. She's not going to show you that. No, that, and, that uh, one you will not get. <laughs> <laughs> but if you need help in rolling out a university program, you know, that's something I can help with. Yes, no and, my children. You know, and actually, uh, you can find Danielle. She is on LinkedIn, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that the best place to find you? Yeah, that's a great place. Yeah. And uh, her last name is, this is very, you know, Danielle Cheek. Just remember Cheek. Okay. C-H-E-E-K. All right. And she fooled me. Uh, what did you say that was? It was. <laughs> yeah, it was a scar apparently on whoever a came scar, over. Right, right, right. Side. Okay. <laughs> You're funny too. All right. Oh, well, I'm glad you think so. Again, my husband doesn't think I'm funny, but I, I'm good at dad jokes and stupid accounting jokes. <laughs> How long have you been married now? How many years have you been married? Oh, uh, 11 years. Oh, after a while. Yeah. You don't know, laugh. It's different. The honeymoon period is over. <laughs> it really is. But anyway, I think you're funny. Okay. Oh, I thank you. And by the way, I want to wish you happy holidays. Thank happy you. New Year. And I wish you good health, you and your family. All right. And may next year, the heck with this COVID anymore. I'm tired of this stuff, you know? All right. Sure. You think we'll go back to normal? I don't know. Well, I don't think there is a new, There, I don't think there, there is, is, that's right. is a new normal. Again. It's a new normal. Yeah, whatever new normal is. Uh, yeah, we'll eventually get to new normal because by definition, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, Danielle, have a very nice holiday, okay? You too. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to Jaeger CPA Review and more. As a token for our appreciation for your listenership, we'd like to offer you 10% off your next purchase with Jaeger CPA Review. Save between $50 to $150 with code PODCAST10. If you'd like more information, look us up on JaegerCPAReview.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate and review on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Jaeger CPA Review and more. This podcast is sponsored by Jaeger CPA Review, the course provider that deals only with the ASCPA blueprints. Please go to the JaegerCPAReview.com website and look at our various products and We believe in seeing is believing. And therefore, please look at our three-day free trial. Pick a subject, and it'll give you three days free access unlimited to that product. And I believe that once you look at that product and see how it works, you'll pick Jaeger CPA Review as your course provider. If you have any questions, you can reach us at 301 874 4,900. If you press five, you may even talk to Phil Yeager. Take care, everyone, on your journey for the CPA exam. We wish you the best and good luck. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of CPA Review and More. We are pleased to bring you the number one podcast for CPAs and CPA candidates. If you'd like to learn more about how Jaeger CPA Review can help you, find us on our website at JaegerCPAReview.com. Now, here's your host, Phil Jaeger. Hello, everyone. This 
this is Phil Yeager, and welcome to my podcast. It is CPA Review and more. And once again, we're not going to talk about CPA Review. We're going to talk about more. And today's guest comes to us from Houston, Texas. Okay. You may say, is she a cowgirl? And I say, no, she looks like a regular person. Okay. She's on the screen now. Her name is Danielle. Is it Sukis? How do you pronounce Sukis, it? Sukis, but close enough. We can go with that. And Cheek. That's an interesting name. What is the word Cheek? Uh, what, where does that come from? You know? That's Western Europe. So that one's my, my husband's uh, name. Apparently, whoever immigrated over to the U.S. side had a scar on his cheek, and that's where the name came from. You got to be kidding. No. <laughs> or at least my husband was lying to me, if that's yeah, the case. I, I, I fell for it, yeah. So... Um, He's from now. What does your husband do? Uh, you're the CPA. He's a traffic engineer. Oh, so you're both very intelligent people. N- nerds, yeah. <laughs> nerds. What? Yeah, we're self-proclaimed nerds. I live my best you, nerd why life. Why do you consider yourself a nerd? Why? Oh, because the what I get jazzed about and excited are the like the craziest, stupidest, really technical discussions. Like I really just enjoy those immensely like just the little like nerd out moments where you get to just kind of get lost in your own brain i i tremendously enjoy well give me give me an example of something that you think makes you a nerd okay so i'm kind of excited about this Quick discussion i'm not gonna yeah, okay well okay well i'll go i won't go too deep but i'll because otherwise i'll lose everybody but um this past week i've gotten to spend about two hours with our data scientist team in the past week or so talking about how does our autoregressive model get impacted by either a deep V-shaped recovery from COVID versus a gradual recovery from COVID? And where do we get the distortion in the model? Um, and it, it's been tremendously interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just... You know, yeah. you're going to find this funny, but I was talking to someone about that also this week. Oh, really? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And we basically agreed it wasn't necessary. That's the, 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 the model or an occurrence? Yeah, we cut off the conversation. We didn't want to. Uh, we oh, we don't need to have the, the conversation. We went on. We went on to other things like why debits have to equal credits and all that. that oh, that's, that's fair. Okay, but so that's anyway. that's why I live my best nerd life. Like it's, and it, I'm happy with it. Yeah. What is your now? You work for a company called Mindbridge, right? Yes. And what is Mindbridge exactly? Um, so we're we're pretty much a risk discovery platform that uh, external auditors and internal auditors or office of the finance uh, team can use to help augment their staff and be able to make them spend time on what matters more. Not doing as much. You Are know, you considered a consultant? Is that more of a consultant? Um, my role within the organization is a consultant, but the the software is actually like a software platform, like a cloud based software. Well, platform. can we go over this again? What what do you do at Mindbridge? So right. I'm the VP of strategy and industry relations. And what does that encounter? So it's a lot, but um, pretty much I get to read all the technical standards that I enjoy reading um, and figuring out how does that impact like CPA firms and internal auditors and other regulator types um, and figure out kind of the linkage. Like how does our tool either help that standard? Or what do we need to retool to make sure we match to the standard and then help clients actually implement uh, based on what the standards are showing? Can you put that in uh, layman's language a little, maybe? Uh, I, I kind of handle you, the... For example, you go into you go into work, right? Are you working yeah. at your home now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, tell me what you do on a... You know, what, what is your job? You know, you start in the morning, and what do you do? Uh, well, like most people, I answer a lot of emails and answer messages in Slack on technical things. But really, it's... It's taking my knowledge base of what's happening in the profession and answering questions about how is it something relevant to somebody? Like, why does it matter? And really answering the question why something matters for a bunch of different stakeholders. I'll give me an example. And okay. and give me, I, would I come into your office? All right. Or uh, do, do your, does the staff come into your office? With problems? No, I'm remote. Um, we're based out of Canada, and we have also New York offices in London, and we're also moving an office into Austin. So um, I'm based in Houston. So I've gone to some of our offices and met people, but um, most of the time it's just a, a message to me, and then I go get on a virtual meeting with somebody. And, but and someone tells you something about. I'm trying to get this, you know, and you know, very simple. Uh, 
how would I get involved with you if I worked in your company? You message me and say, I need help. That's it. What help do I need? Usually something about why does something matter to our customers or our regular. All right, such as, give me an example. What would matter to your customers? Uh, for example, there's a new technology ethics uh, interpretation uh, that is expected to come out this month that's going to put additional requirements on how to assess technology vendors. Um, and so do we have everything in place to be able to comply with that new standard is something I'm talking about internally. Is this standard is just your company or is it? Uh, no, this one's from IESBA, so the International Ethics Group. Oh, there's an International Ethics Group? Yes. Yeah. Uh, is that a separate, that has nothing to do with the AICPA, does it? Um, I'm actually the U.S. representative from the AICPA to their small medium practitioners group. So it, it, in the sense that the AICPA is a member, that there is a relationship there, but it is a different organization. So it's not the same as the U.S. ethics group called PEAK. All right. So you deal with international ethics, right? All right. Is that what you yeah. All right. Yeah. Now. Let's go back to me. I come into your office, all right? Yes. Uh, I have some new technology I want to introduce to the company. Okay? Yeah. Am I doing yeah. my same thing? All right. Yeah. Now, I turn to you and I say, all right, is this technology, is it useful to our company? Or is that what it is? It's useful to our company? All right. Yeah. Is that what I'm trying to sell to you? Yeah. So, yeah, for example, like we will have one of our data scientists come and this is a because my background's actually in forensic accounting, we had this happen where um, a data scientist needed to come up with uh, test data to see if some of our algorithms would find certain types of fraud. So he wanted me to come up with different types of frauds that would be interesting in a data set that we'd either detect or not detect and then run it through our system to see what we picked up. So, you know, the end result was trying to think of ways of what kind of fraud could I think of that wouldn't be detected by our system? And I, I, I tremendously struggled with that. Yes, that's that's what happens, but it's also on the, the customer and the client side too. And I just realized what gives you the expertise to do this is that you are a forensic accountant, right? Yes. yes. Now you came out of college um, with a uh, an accounting background, accounting major? Uh, not as an undergrad. As an undergrad, I was political science, economics, and policy studies. Wow, that's interesting. Political, yeah. why political science? What did you want to do? I wanted to be a policy, like work on Capitol Hill kind of thing and influence policy. Really? And yep. did you try to get that position? I had that position and I decided that was not the right fit and I needed to oh, find something got else. One of those and who did you report to? What did you do? A did congressman. Yeah. So I worked on Capitol Hill working for a congressman. Um, oh, we know his name? No, because he got redistricted out. Uh, and so he ended up getting only one term. And so, but what it showed me was the side of, you know, I couldn't anticipate people's behaviors and actions. People did not do what they say they were going to do, as you, as we can probably guess from the political environment. I was kind of the young Mr. Smith goes to Washington, overly idealistic person thinking I could act. Most people have never seen that movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's uh it's an old it? one. It's an old one. Just think idealistic person going out to Washington thinking they're going to make a difference. And you. you and that was Jimmy so. Stewart. Was that Jimmy Stewart? Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, yes. Very. Uh, it dates back. Uh, it's, you know, actually, it's not. It's in black that. and white is, is, is all we need to yeah. do for dating. And I'll tell you something. These movies, uh, the actors, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Stewart. I don't know if any of you ever heard of Jimmy Stewart. But these were people who came from the state Broadway stage, all right? And they actually had to learn their lines, all right? And if you watch the movies, like today, you go to a movie, someone says, oh, yes, how are you? And they flip to another, you know, they keep, you know, and they edit this whole thing together. Those movies, you'd have Jimmy Stewart, he would be doing a something, a, a, you know, a long speech. And he had to memorize that speech. You know, those were great movies. I really, but anyway, that's another story. All right. So you went to Washington. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. And you lived there. Uh, how long did you live there? Only a couple months. Uh, and then I came back to Houston and worked uh, in the district office. Uh, would you like, if you, did you like Washington, D.C. to live there? I actually really like the city. I'm, I'm quite a fan of the city. Yeah. Um, where, where, where did you live? I, you know, I'm outside of Washington, D.C. Okay. Did you know that? 
No, I didn't. I live in Rockville, Maryland. Okay. Which is a suburb, Montgomery County. Okay. Right? I was in uh, Eastern Market uh, yes, because it course. was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I could walk. Place. So I could either take uh, the subway in, I was only one stop away, or on nice days I could walk. So it was super convenient. That's the way I went to Catholic University every day. I went from Shady Grove Road, for those that don't know where that is, all right, to Union Station. Now there are so many different colored lines, it's confusing. But all right, well, sorry you weren't still a, a resident. Well, I, I happened upon accounting, um, and 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 it was actually because my mom had told me when I went off to college, she gave me a couple nuggets of advice. One of them was, no matter what you do, take an accounting class. Um, so I took an intro to accounting class. Didn't do overly well in it, but was like the subject matter kind of stuck with me and I thought it was fairly elegant. It kind of worked. It made sense in my brain. Um, and so then when I decided to not do uh, political science, because it wasn't really the, the right fit for me at the time, it, I was like, well, what can I do to get a job? Happened upon accounting. And, you know, and you went back to you went to Rice University in Houston. For yeah, that? for my undergrad. For accounting. No, no. For so for the undergrad was oh. in that, that political science oh. stuff. So what ended up happening is at the time there was a massive shortage of accountants, which unlike not unlike today. Um, so EY was actually recruiting because uh, Jim Turley was the chairman at the time. He had gone to Rice when we did have a MAC program, and um, so they recruited people that didn't have any background in accounting but just had the aptitude for accounting by by their measure. Um, and then sent us all off to actually, you got to pick to either go to UVA or Notre Dame, but you had to get in, of course. Good schools, um, and good schools, very good schools. Yeah, so I went to UVA to get my master's of accounting and then was at EY. Um, and uh, yeah, so close to DC as well. And that's actually why I picked uh, UVA you over Notre for Dame. And and DC? To... Did you work for EY in DC? No, I worked for EY in Houston. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. so I went back and forth. All right. So you got your master's degree in accounting, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you went when you went into accounting, because your mother told you to take a course in accounting. Yes. Yeah. No, okay. matter, no matter what you do, take at least one accounting class so you can actually understand what is going on. Okay. Uh, did you like the introduction to accounting? Yeah, I was kind of it was mediocre to me. It, it just seemed to make sense. Like I, I I didn't overly struggle with the concepts, but it wasn't a. Uh, it wasn't this life-changing course that you would think it would be. It was, well, I understood it. I did well enough in it. And I really like a job right now. <laughs> um, there's a shortage of accountants. And and so it wasn't this like, it it, it wasn't this like, um, like calling that I must be an accountant. But what was really funny is once I became an accountant and really figured out what accounting is, oh my God, I don't, I can't imagine doing anything else. And what is accounting? Goes, what is I should have known. I'm sorry. What is what? Account- what's accounting to you? Oh, I again the nerding out over like lit- so to Did me you it's say a more- nerding out. Yeah, nerding out. So it's a but it's a bigger, broader concept. So it's not just the debits and credits to me. It's all that behind the scenes that happens in running a business. So to me, it's a lot of the back office of the business. It's not just you know audit, tax, and and whatnot. To me all the different advisory services and all the different consulting and all the different kind of nuanced specialty fund things that stem from, okay, yeah, I'm looking at, I understand how to read financial data and other kinds of data that tie into financials. Therefore, I can understand all these different things at play and understand how they all interact. So if yeah, I understand- they all come together, that's right. That's exactly, because right. if you understand how the debits and credits work in the sense of it's all interconnected and you understand that when something happens in one place, it's got to happen somewhere else too. There's there's an offsetting number somewhere. And so when you start understanding the interconnectivity of the back office of a business, that's what I think is accounting. And so I fell in love with it. And um, my mom actually said, like, I should have known better because as a kid, you were always running around with a, am I allowed to say damn, damn clipboard and like trying to like effectively inventory well, could have been and reorganize coach. things. You could have been a football head coach. With that little boy. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, I just didn't know about accounting as a kid. I didn't know about it as an undergrad really much except for the accounting class. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I kind of fell into it, but it it, it was the right bit. Uh, now, uh, you remember, uh, uh, people, you know what? I am convinced that people are not going into accounting maybe or taking the CPA exam because they don't know what a CPA does. I think they have this idea 
that were a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, no personality people. All right. And all we do is crunch numbers. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you why, because I know every time I go into a restaurant with people, you know, and the check comes, the split, they always say, give it to Phil. He's an accountant. And I always say, I don't want so, okay, so I don't really fit the stuffy accountant molds. Um, I so to me, what what's really appealing to me is I get for this is gonna sound bad about myself, but I I know that I get bored easily doing the same repetitive tasks. I know there's a lot mm-hmm. of accountants that love that, and it, it's almost a game against yourself of how efficient can you be and how fast can you close type things. But for me, that's that's not what excites me. What excites me is the kind of like new and different and the the high thought figuring out the puzzle that my brain hurts. Like I want, right. I want that. Is that really what you're doing now? Is your job? Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. But if I wasn't in accounting, I, I'd probably be one of those people that had to change jobs every two or three years because I'd be so bored in whatever repetitive tasks I was doing. Um, and, and so to me, you know, getting to do a lot of forensics and it, it's not well, the same talk about number that? crunching. You had to get your CPA, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, you you kind of have to get that to do all the right, fun stuff. You decided to say, you know, I, I heard about this forensic accounting. Is that what happened? Uh, All right. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Well, how'd you find forensic accounting? Did someone tell um, you? I was, I will have to be careful what I say on this. I was doing a lot of internal consulting work at something and uh, turned out I had a knack for, let's go with general investigations and uh, e-discovery and, and building out uh, like things from data. And so as I was doing a good job on some projects, we realized, oh my gosh, we can actually sell this and Daniel can actually do this. And I was like, and I'm enjoying it. I'm loving this kind of investigations nature of things. And so I went and got a, I already had the CPA. So I got a couple other credentials. I got a a CFE for the fraud examination. And then I got a CVA for the valuation side as well. And so I kind of just started doing it for clients uh, with the support of my firm at the time. And it kind of just grew from there. So I've gotten to do all kinds of investigations. I've done a Ponzi scheme investigation where we got a civil and criminal ruling that it was a Ponzi wow. scheme. That, that one's kind of one of those career toppers to actually have a real Ponzi scheme and not just something that's, you know, uh, this is actually some kind of other fraud that's not actually a Ponzi scheme, but people call it a Ponzi scheme anyway. Yeah. So one of the projects I did was we came in behind a corporate um, corporate takeover situation that was a little bit weird. But the, the the cool part was I came in behind with everybody and I had to have my own security detail because of the nature of the situation. So we we kind of brought in an entire private security team and the guy that was in charge of following me around was a former SEAL team guy. And his job was literally to just follow me around everywhere I went on the facility uh, as we were trying to you know conduct our investigation to handle the situation. So you so, had protection? You had protection? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so what... Did you ever get concerned that? Uh... No, not at that one. I thought those that one wasn't actually as problematic. I've had others that I didn't have a security detail and was like, oh, I need a security detail. So, you know, toward after I had a couple of those situations, we started um, putting into some contracts, depending on the situation, if we were going to, depending on the nature of the situation, that they'd be required that they also pay for a security detail. Um, so we had one. We ended up not getting the project probably because we, we took kind of staff security so so seriously because it was it was going to be a really questionable situation. So, um, but I've been man. I had one where I knew that the corporate, uh, no, excuse me, not the corporate, the government regulators were going to come in and raid the place. So I was on the team to get a phone call once they raided this place and uh, just kind of go through all the records and, and be ready to go. And I was like, please, 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 can I come? And they're like, no, you're not allowed to come on the raid we'll call you after and i was like but i need to do the interviews and i need to do the real-time interviewing and so you know i've gotten to take a lot of like law enforcement interviewing skills type stuff for my job too do you ever uh do you you testify against some real shady characters that you could be afraid of or um so i've up I, i keep a very um you'll notice if you do a lot of research on me there's a lot of public stuff about me but i keep a lot of stuff private like you will not find pictures of my kids online i'm really really protective of making sure my kids pictures never get online um most of the stuff i've done is is pretty focused on white collar and there's not a lot of criminal convictions in that space mainly because the the justice system is pretty behind on white collar crimes and you know, in, in Houston, at least, um, you know, uh, human trafficking is getting priority in the justice system, which probably it should. Um, the problem is, is that there's just not enough bandwidth to prosecute some of these 
uh, criminal cases. So I've only worked on a couple criminal side matters. And those are the ones I'm, I am usually a little bit more worried about, but I haven't been, I've, the most of the stuff I've done is in the solid middle market and do the larger business. So it's a, it's a little bit less concerning from that perspective. Uh, you know, growing up, my mother was an attorney and we had some situations where she was on high profile cases and we, we'd need a security detail at the house. So I've been, you know, I kind of grew up with having that risk and that knowledge. And so I just keep it very, um, keep it kind of buttoned up, if you will, and, and kind of aware of the risks of the situation. You don't have to carry a gun, do you? No. Okay. Uh, you know, I, we have a place in Myrtle Beach, uh, uh, South Carolina. Uh, it's a second, you know, I'm not trying to press you or anything, yeah. but there's signs up there that a lot of human trafficking goes through Myrtle Beach. Mm. Is that is that true? I have no idea. I'm I, I don't South care. Carolina, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just oh, God. all right. So anyway, uh, couldn't you have now what you're doing is couldn't you get a job with the Federal Bureau of Investigation? And done the same thing? Yes, they tried to recruit me. <laughs> um, oh, they did. Um, so yeah, it's and actually I did the FBI Citizens Academy. So it's a really cool place. The issue was is where I was, I was already getting too old. I was aging out pretty quickly. Um you were too there's, old for the FBI. I was getting close because you have to get in at a certain time to be able to get your years before you're mandatory retired. So oh, all your FBI wait, agents. Oh, oh, what, what is too old at the FBI? It's like close to 30, I think. You'll, you'll have 30. to get the number. It's either 30 or 35. Um, but it, I okay, thought it was closer right. to 30. And what would you have done there? White collar crimes? Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're short accountants. Like the FBI is hiring accountants up there um, and data scientists and, and, and computer forensics people. So um, it used to be the case that you had to be outside of school for a couple of years, kind of very similar to like an MBA. And mm -hmm. then you can go into the FBI. But the issue has been it's so hard to get accountants and, and computer uh, like forensics people that um, they started recruiting right out of the school. So accounts are highly sought after after the FBI. You get to do some really cool stuff. I re The reason I wanted to go in and I was kind of excited about it was that um, you get access to data sets that you don't get as a public. So there's these SARS reports of the suspicious activity at bank accounts and you pretty much get access to these cool databases. So you can do all this other investigation with all this data that you, you just don't get in the public sector. And so, yeah, I, I really, they really wanted me. I really wanted to go, but it was at one of those points in my career and my, my personal life that um, the only way to stay together with my husband was for him to go to the FBI as well, do the nature of his job. And so he is a white male that is a engineer type so he would not go in the same class so it would probably have meant that we would have been apart for at the time i did the math and i think it was about 18 months because of the timing of when things things would have kind of landed so it's just not the right time in my career to do it but i they did let me then do citizens academy which is like the boosters cheerleaders club for the fbi well, I had a, uh, I did a live CPA review course in Bethesda, Maryland, and mm. in Roslyn, Virginia, Arlington. Mm -hmm. All right. And I used to have one of these FBI people come in every six months. Yeah. You know. Did you take the exam? It was all four parts at the time? Did you take that one? Or? No, 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 no. I was no. in the computer, but it's still on the old CRT monitors that flash. And I actually got nauseous oh, during no. one of the sections. No, uh, we, we took it where we had 2,500 people mm -hmm. right, in Baltimore. All right, that's where I took it. And then they also gave it at the, uh, where they give it, at the DC, uh, the Armory, where they give it. Okay. You know, they get Dallas, near Dallas Airport, they had the Virginia exam. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we would have classes and I stood up there and actually taught people uh, live, totally live, unlike that other course that claims they're live. Okay. I won't mention their name, but it starts with a B. All right. They claim that's a live class, but it's not. All right, I stood up there and I'd bring in this person from the FBI. And she she maybe recruited over a period of six years, one person, okay? One person. And that person went there as soon as they got their CPA. And uh, I said to that person, why did you go to the FBI? And the guy said, you know, I get to pack a piece. 
I yeah. said, you get a gun? Is that why you join the FBI? It was a lot of traveling. You know, they travel now, they travel all over the place. But, uh, uh, and I think also the fact is, it probably is an interesting job because on that show, on TV, the FBI, they make it look so much fun, don't they? And they solve a case in 45 minutes. Yeah, it's a little bit more work than that. It's a little bit slower. An hour, uh, you know. an hour maybe. An hour. <laughs> like, for example, I felt bad. One of my staff had to, um, for that Ponzi scheme investigation, we had so many cash transactions where they were trying to move money between entities that I had to make him vouch. I think there's about 2,000 transactions, both sides, the inflow and the outflow side, and then try to match them up. It took him about 40 to 45 hours to to do all the vouching. And I pretty much just told him, I was like, I don't care what you need to like jam out to music. Please just don't quit on doing this. I will let you do whatever cool work after this one. I get it. Just please, uh, please, please, please <laughs> don't quit because I have I, I need somebody to do this task. And what was really cool is that he actually found a couple other fraud schemes along the way because he was paying attention and you know, what's great is that some of that stuff's getting automated now. And so, you know, your your kind of earlier years as a CPA or a staff, you don't have to do some of that really backbreaking, tedious work that's just monotony. Um, and your guy is starting to get into, like, I get to start analyzing data early on in your career right now with some of the cool bells and whistles and tools that are out there. You love detail work, don't you? I like to, okay, so I like detail work and being in the details. I don't necessarily want to go back and vouch tons and tons of transactions myself, but oh, I do was, uh, like, like the, the details. Con- in the how about mailing out the confirmations? Did you like that? No, no I did not enjoy <laughs> mailing. I, like doing a, a mail stuffing and a mail merge and then getting all the letters printed, putting all the stamps on and the stickers. I mean, that's not really the highest and best use no. of my time. Um, it's more But you had to get the CPA to begin, begin to the forensic accounting. Yeah, you kind of have to. Thank you so much for listening to Jaeger CPA Review and more. As a token for our appreciation for your listenership, we'd like to offer you 10% off your next purchase with Jaeger CPA Review. Save between $50 to $150 with code PODCAST10. If you'd like more information, look us up on JaegerCPAReview.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate and review on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time.